Hi all, Teddy T here to preview my latest podcast. So I first met Anton van Ruten about four years ago at the first off-site retreat that I facilitated for the Textile Fashion Group. The company was only a few years old, and Anton was a relatively new player on the scene and already making an impact. He's a pretty large human, and he reminded me right away of Bruce Springsteen's song, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, where Bruce memorializes Clarence Clemens joining the E Street Band when the change was made uptown and the big man joined the band. Great song. Check it out. Anton had a wealth of global experience, and he made an immediate positive impact on the membership services part of the business. Now he's serving as the chief operating officer of the company. Anton has a wonderful way of challenging people to up their game at whatever level of leadership they may be. I have been no exception to that, and we have formed a fun and productive partnership over these years. Anton was excited as I was for us to make the time to talk about the positive influence conscious leadership can have on an organization. He's a fun guy in person, and I think you'll find that it comes through on the podcast as well. Listen up. Hi, everyone. This is Teddy Tannenbaum with another edition of the Teddy Talk podcast. Our theme is meetings with remarkable people, lessons in leadership and life. And I got to tell you, I'm having a great time with this. Uh, For those of you who are listening, I hope you're enjoying it as well. Uh, Today, today I'm sitting here with Anton von Ruden, a German national from Berlin, who is currently the chief operating officer of the Textile Fashion Group which is an e-commerce apparel company based in Los Angeles. I met Anton, I think, about four years ago. And shortly thereafter that, he invited me to be his coach. And shortly after that, we became colleagues and, most enjoyably, friends. So I am absolutely delighted to welcome to the Teddy Talk podcast, Anton. Welcome, sir. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. We've been talking about this for a while, right? The yeah, idea of trying yeah. to get together and do this. So I'm honored, thrilled. I want to talk to you mostly about leadership today, but I thought we'd start with kind of a little bit of your career path, uh, how you got into working in organizations and corporations, some of the choices you made, and give the folks a little sense of, of uh, who you are. All right. Well, yeah, very happy to. Um, and I, I like how you say most enjoyably being friends. That's uh, uh, Unfortunately, un- entirely mutual. <laughs> um, so I, I got into leadership. Um, uh, my first role was I was employee number 10 at eBay, um, which that's not even a role, but I was an intern at eBay. I've, I was calling computer sellers and explaining to them that there's a whole new revolutionary way to sell product, uh, which is listing all the items on eBay for free, uh, which is how they could u- uh, reach so many millions of new customers that they couldn't have never reached. That was in 1999. And this was in in Berlin? This was in Berlin. Berlin. Um, It was at a small startup that was called Alando Alando DE. um, DE, And uh, um, eBay had just purchased them. Um, And uh, it was really great. I got into leadership there because I was studying economics in Berlin. Uh, I grew up in a small little town in the center of Germany. And the moment I could get away from there i went to the biggest city in germany which is berlin to go study and i was i studied economics but the studying was so 
unproductive. There was literally, I mean, there was 500 people in a room, public university. You, you don't even know the guy that tries to tell you something. So I saw this internship advertisement for um, Alando uh, eBay, and I, I thought, this is great. Um, I'll, I'll try that. And I called him, and I met them the same day, and the next day I started, and then I never went back to university. <laughs> and um, um, and what was so great, the, the contrast of um, the studying with 500 people, so unproductive, and being in this startup where you could do everything you wanted to do because there was way too much to do for all right. the people that were there. And right. um, so I I took on everything, and I was right. so excited. I'm like, wow, I can do this, and I can do that. And right. wow, I can, look, I, can, I can drive this forward and this forward, and I can get th these more sellers to, to, to go uh, hit the site. And, and, and uh, it sounds like taking initiative was highly rewarded there. Absolutely. Right. I give you, it's the right time, right place. You know, sometimes we're... We're lucky in our lives to to experience that, and and I was, and so, um, yeah, I, I took on everything, and um, I guess many of the things I I did quite well because I was like so motivated to to um, accomplish things um, that um, two months into it they offered me a full time job, and then I I ran the marketing department shortly thereafter for a year and a half, and I was twenty two at the time I think, <laughs> and. Um, and yeah, it kept going that way. And uh, that was one of the first lessons I learned in leadership um, for, from my leaders then was that anything I did, I was entirely not qualified to do. I had zero experience for it. I had never done it before. And they were, I had great leaders that were brave enough to just recognize that I was so willing to do it and I, you know, I was accomplishing some things. So we were like, all right, great. I could bring in someone that has actually run a marketing department before and is not 22 and has not finished university. Um, um, but they never did. Yeah. This is a, this is a theme I hear quite a bit that I got promoted, even though I wasn't qualified for the job right. or somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, you should apply for this. So I'm curious, what do you think they saw in you? That they said, "Hey, let's give him this opportunity." You know, it's sort of hard hard for me to uh, um, uh, to, to to be so complimentary of me because they must have seen something that was actually good. Right. But I think what they clearly saw, you know, initiative and motivation, like intrinsic motivation, and I think for most people that goes such a long way because with just that even if you don't know exactly what you're doing you haven't done it before i mean you can compensate so much i mean if you work a little harder and because you you want to try a little harder then you can um, achieve you know, almost anything and uh, um, you know i think they saw that i was able to take responsibility and be accountable for it and deliver what I said I would and more. And uh, um, so they let me do right. that for, I think I, I spent six years there. So. Yeah. That alone is uh, worth its weight in gold, as they say. If someone says, I'm going to do something and you can hold me accountable for it and I hit the or exceed the target, it's hard to ask for more than that. Yeah. And I, I think that all through my career, uh, if if there's one comment that I can remember from all of the people I worked for, is that they they said things like you know what I would always say what I uh, I would always do what I said 
um, and uh, um, they could always rely on me. I think one one comment I I I. I lovingly remember is there's no strings attached this is you know you say this is what you're going to do and then it's going to be done um and you know I, I, that's a great quality i look for that in in leaders today that's where i was going all the time right. you know that's that, that that's what you really want and it's not even about the perfect um result it's almost more that if someone is accountable and really you know sticks to his promises then that or her promises that that's really that's what counts so curious for any of the uh, early leaders you had either at ebay or the predecessor or since then what what happened after ebay what did you go after that after those six years yes yeah, so, so i ran marketing for first of all at ebay i ran marketing and then um i was the most uh, this is one of my favorite stories because that's how i got into operations um i was the most critical person about our customer service you know as you are the marketing guy you know whatever they're doing in customer service the, the, you bring in the customers and then they don't give them a great experience it's like well how could they not do this better and i kept uh, you know, arguing and arguing, and I, I was always very critical about it. And uh, um, eBay, they, they, we were looking for a uh, someone to run our European customer service for eBay for quite a while. And the profile was like forty five years old, MBA, you know, twenty years of experience. So the opposite of me couldn't really find the right fit. And so eventually, the the uh, general managers there they they said, "All right, you, you're so critical about it. We we have this idea. How about you run it?" <laughs> So that was great. So here I was. All right. All, all of a sudden, all of the things I had said before, I now would have to deliver because, uh, you know, uh, that was very smart of them. That's right. Uh, um, because they knew I was going right. to make have to make this If progress. someone's passionate about something, right. someone's motivated towards a solution, yeah. tap that person. Right. Absolutely. And in that role, another important lesson that I learned is that obviously, since I had not no experience for it, um, um, is how important it is to have a great team. Like you don't really even have to know exactly what needs to be done, but you need to be able to know what kind of team you need, and you need to be able to trust um, the people on that team to tell you, you know, what actually needs to be done. And that's exactly how we accomplished something amazing. I, I, I still, that's one of the biggest things I, I've been part of. We we grew this team from thirty people to five hundred fifty people in twelve months um, across seven languages. And um, and I was twenty three, um, so um, uh, yeah, that was that was wild. Um, and I I know exactly how we accomplished that because I was trusted and I had great mentors um, along the way, and um, I had a great team. And I don't know how, for looking at it now, how I could even then have so much trust and to give up control because I clearly had no idea what to do. But I still work uh, uh, with someone here today from that time, Martin, who runs our European customer uh, service right. here at, uh, at Textile. He was part of, he was running German customer service for eBay then. So, so it's exciting. And um, uh, very, that was where I decided, right, I really want to be in operations. And so after, um, after eBay, I, um, I took a sabbatical at eBay for a year after seven years of crazy growth <laughs> and uh, a career that was never planned that way. And uh, um, after that, I thought, now I want to go somewhere and see um, what it's worth that I've learned and how, you know, how would it, how would it, how would it play? How would it play outside? 
Exactly. You know, I was, I was, the time I was at eBay, we, it was a hundred thousand members when I joined and then 18 million when I left. Oh this is like crazy time. Right. And it was across the internet bubble burst, which yeah, didn't affect eBay at all. Um, and uh, so I wanted to see how it is outside because you inside an organization, particularly when you have no perspective, another great lesson. Right. First job. You don't know how great it is or if it is even great. That's right. So I went to the startup um, uh, in Leipzig uh, um, uh, about individualized apparel. Um, I, I, I love the, the thought that you combine the internet with something physical because at eBay is like all virtual. They're, you, the company in itself is entirely just virtual. And I, I love the fact of having a component that you could touch, like <laughs> the shirts and the, everything we would print stuff on. Um, but I will say from day one, Till I left there, I was like, oh, my God, it was such a great time at eBay. I was in Disneyland, in fact. Like, I, I had no idea. You know, didn't look like Disneyland at the time because you don't have the perspective. So another great lesson there. Um, you need that perspective to even appreciate uh, what you have. So, uh, But Absolutely. I really decided operations is where I want to be and not marketing. And so uh, how long were you at that second startup? About two years. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do there? I ran um, global operations uh, production in um, in Poland, Germany, and uh, the U.S. and customer service. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a great time. So I had, had not, nothing to do with that company. It was really uh, good amazing time of life. What, what what we could accomplish there as well. But the perspective was amazing, and I, you know, it's, it's how you learn, it's how you grow up. And then uh, where did you go from there? So. I decided let's now after this let's start let's see if how it is to start something else something yourself. So I worked in this large company in a smaller company, um, and uh, um, so I, with a few people we thought we could revolutionize um, how people um, individualize their cars. Um, I think it's still a great idea, like <laughs> like put stuff on your cars and individualizing them. I, I still think is great. No one, it didn't really. Other people didn't. Well, I, well you know, not <laughs> enough. Not enough other people not didn't. Not enough, you know, not enough people. Um, and uh, um, so we, I did that for three years. We, we came wow. very close and uh, to selling it to 3M. Which would be a, like the perfect, in, perfect uh, intuitive partner because they produce the all this the the, the foil or whatever you put on the cars, right? right? That they, they're the main producer. That didn't happen, um, and so um, well, we 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 merged it with another company, and and then I looked for something yes. new, which I found in textile. Yeah. So how did you uh, how did you end up at textile? Uh, it has to do with eBay because Garrett, um, who runs the European. Um, markets for textile um he was he joined ebay shortly after i was there we spent a few years together um and so he you know we have we have this past and he called me up and said i don't know if you're even interested or if, if this is what you want to do but we have like this great job here at, at our company where we look for someone that has been in general management um but also has been in customer service and um can run our global uh, member services group and 
but it may be on the west coast or there may be a lot of travel involved so i don't know if you want that i'm like this this, is exactly what i want exactly (laughs) what i want as you as you know i I, I love travel so much i love i have this big passion for customer service um since i you know since that since you took that on since that moved back there yeah and um the one step we we left out at ebay my last role was general manager for switzerland and austria so so i had been in marketing and operations and in general management in a pretty large so company you got a pretty good round round 360 round view of that right place. and you don't usually get that because someone that has a passion for operations doesn't usually make it into general management right. because they you know most people wrongfully so but uh, think that operations is you know not so interesting or not so sexy and then marketing is like way more accomplished sure. it's the entire opposite is true <laughs> i would know but um, um but um, uh, um yeah so you, people usually don't cross from operations into general management and even less the other way because once you're in general management or in marketing i mean you don't why like, would you want to go you to operations nothing to do with right. operations right <laughs> you know you don't go there right. it's the cost side and the efficiency side well um you know so i brought both of that which was exciting and so um i uh, um yeah, I flew out here to LA and interviewed with the with the team. And while once I said in the in the lobby in the morning, I decided, well, okay, now I'm not interviewing here today. I'm here. I'm going to get this job because I really this is cool. I love the vibe and everything about it. So, and it worked. And it worked out. Yeah. So, let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, you started out and you were doing customer service, global membership services, and you renamed that right. and you grew that and you put a successor in place, and then you were promoted to chief operating officer. Right. So different than other companies, you're not involved with their revenue side right. here. You're out in the global support. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know from from our conversations, uh, one number that's pretty pretty prominent is that 72% of the of the workforce reports into global operations. Right, yeah. That's, a, that's quite a large. Yeah, How many people is that altogether now? Over 2,000 people, right. 3,000 yeah. in the entire company. Yeah, so it's a large team. So tell me a little about I know we've talked before about your passion for teams, especially passion for building global teams. Love to hear you talk about just what what does that mean to build a global team? How do you do that? Yeah, so there's there's two big topics in this, right? Teams and global. So there, um, let's let's focus on global first, and I'm sure there's way more we can talk about teams. So you know early on and still here today i'm oftentimes the only not not american in the room about with everything we do and um and i i love that right i i worked for you know for ebay for for many years and but always in in the outside of headquarters sort of in the field if you want from a global perspective so it's great to be here and be do it from the other side because i think with global teams it starts with diversity because and that's the same it's not that's not an american thing even if maybe sometimes people think i I don't know it's the same in germany if there's if there's 10 germans around the table trying to attack the american market or any other market doesn't matter which one their perspective will just not be sufficient it will be limited to what they think and vice versa everywhere and so it starts with um, diversity in the people you have around the table if you really want the global um, organization. And, you know, sometimes you can get that, sometimes you cannot. Then the other thing you absolutely have to do is travel. 
And what, for, one of the first things when I came into the uh, member services group, um, I said, well, first of all, we need to rename, as you said, uh, ourselves to global member services because that's what it is. So everyone gets that. Um, so you need to talk about it. That this is global. And then uh, we need to travel. And uh, yeah, I, I, I said so to me, when you're when you're when you're born in Europe, like there's so many countries and borders and places, they're all so close together. You, I mean, you basically are born with a passport. It's right. like it's just not, a non non topic. And so, as I was telling everyone, all right, we're not going to go travel. We're going to go to to the Philippines, where we have uh, one of our member services centers, and we're going to go to Europe and to Mexico and everywhere. And they were like, well, I don't have a passport. And 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 I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Right. I, did, I didn't. How? how what no happened? Did you lose it, or like, well, how, how don't you have a passport? How is that even possible? Because the, the whole concept to me is like so different. And and so, all right. So I learned not everyone needs that. Um, and I it took it even one step further. I, I love this anecdote because I learned then that it's absolutely acceptable to expense your passport cost uh, because, well, you may never have needed a passport unless the company told you to travel. Right. And I'm like, wow, well, <laughs> if, that, if that's how it is, please go ahead, do that. Like, uh, But that seemed like so, it's, it's such a personal right. thing for for me, for and I think everyone, for Europeans, that my passport, the company has nothing to do with my passport. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so everyone needed a passport because you need to travel. And then it went and went, and so that's one thing, you need to get out and then you need to be open. So that's the next thing. Because everything in the world, every different culture works so differently. And it has nothing to do with your set of rules or how everything works where, where you grow up. And you need to be open for that. If you're continuously evaluated as better or worse, which people you know go to easily, right, easily. often way too easily... Um, you're not going to you're not going to be open enough for it. And an example of that is you can drink drink a cappuccino um, in different countries, and a cappuccino in Italy, a cappuccino in uh, France, which is in cafe au lait, I guess, uh, um, and in Germany or here is the same beverage, but it just doesn't taste the same way, and that's totally okay. I mean, going to, and but I, I, I see it when I traveled with the team and they would go eat a burger in Belgrade. And then the burger in Belgrade wouldn't taste like here uh, uh, um, at their favorite burger place in LA. And they'd be like, oh, it's not a good burger. Like, what's with the burger? And I'm like, so, so I would use all these experiences. I was like, all right, let's all pause here for a moment. You're in Belgrade. Moment. You're in Serbia, in Belgrade. And the burger in, in Belgrade, Serbia, this is what it's like and it's a perfect burger and everyone loves the burger it tastes different to you but it's not better or worse i mean and don't get try to get out of the comparing it because that's how different cultures and different countries work so i spend a lot of time with my teams not even not even on metrics in different countries but just these type of things because culture. it creates it, yeah it's culture because it creates openness you need to open your mind to that and you can notice that the burger tastes different, and you may not like it. That's also okay, but it's still not a bad burger. It's just a burger in Belgrade. It's a different burger than the burger in L.A. So just that example, and there's so many others um, that um, you, you need to be just, you need to create that openness. You need to talk about it because it's so different. There's a, there's a saying in Zen around, uh, in the mind of the beginner, there are many possibilities. In the mind of the expert, there are but few. Right. Yeah, and you need, and when you when you travel or when you want to 
um, be effective in leading a global team or leading a team in another country, then you need to be more like a beginner. Because if you if you go in there and, oh, I'm the German and this is how it works um, uh, for us and this is how it needs to work here, no, I mean, that, how, how, no one wants, no one wants that, you know, no, that, that's just like, oh, I don't want to work for this guy. He, right. he doesn't even respect how we do things. So you have to have a lot of um, respect um, for things working differently. Um, and, you know, I don't, many, I think Germans have, many Germans have that, uh, um, uh, problem, um, in, uh, in, in other countries and Americans have it as well. And, you know, things like Coca-Cola and Starbucks and McDonald's don't really necessarily help because they give you exactly the same thing right. <laughs> at every place in the world and then you don't have to really think about right. it right so i love it i love going to starbucks anywhere in the world I, I, this gives me some uh, some consistency but not but i i still want to try you know what it tastes like yeah the, 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 the anti-diversity right a little bit you know but it's you know I, the other thing about those i'm like so amazed about the consistency consistency like when you when you run when you run global teams or large teams and you try to create consistent quality in ev in right. in many things and it's amazing how so i, I admire that uh, yeah. tremendously is how you create this consistent process and and quality across yeah. the entire globe i i've always found that the number one criteria is alignment on reason why are we doing right. this you, right. if you're aligned on why we're doing something then the rest become not mere details but it can be worked out. Yeah, I, I agree. And so the motivation that I gave everyone to why we would travel is if we if we if we are trying to create better member experiences and we are trying to be more efficient because we want to over time, you know, create value, shareholder value and, and bottom line results, then we need to go there. We so need to face, we need to be with the people. Face to face with your clients, customers, teams. Absolutely critical. Yes, critical. And and there's no way that on global video can be the real replacement for being together and common experiences. Because if you want to achieve anything with any team, you need some common experiences. You need to go through some things together and you can't do that over video. You need to be together. You need to just be around each other. And so then we always come up with all these goals and all these agendas for all these trips. Of course we do because we want to use our time efficiently, but I already know just that we're flying out. I don't even care if we go through with the agenda. It's like the, we're already accomplishing um, uh, everything we need to just by being there. It right. doesn't, almost doesn't matter what we do when we're there, but I, you know, I, I gave that away now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's, uh, it's very important. It's ir irreplaceable. It's, really face-to-face -face interaction in, yeah. in global teams. So that's another thing that, that's important for, um, for running global yeah. teams is, you know, very regularly seeing each other. And, and, and that me doesn't mean like all the time, but it, you know, three, four times a year yeah. right. and reliably. You need to know next time I'm going to see you that helps a lot. So right. again, it comes to travel and some investments, and but, some cadence, a particular cadence yeah. of how you do it. I think it's important because if I don't know when I'm going to see you again, I don't know. We can. It's it's like cover, where it's a don't. little un, uncomfortable. But yeah. if I know, you know what, in three, four, even five months, I will see you again. Mm -hmm. We can we can punt some things to that. Like you know what, let's talk about that when we see each other again. Right. Let's not even, you know, we don't need to discuss that now. It's right. like such a deep topic. Let's do it when we see each other yeah. again. 
and it helps tremendously. Yeah. So, Tell me a little about growing leaders, right? One of the things I, I observe in you is that I know you love building global teams and, and having global responsibility, but I also see that you put a lot of effort into bringing each of your key executives to whatever the fulfilling of their potential may be. So I'd love to hear you speak a little about that. Yeah, so that goes back to my first experience with my leaders that had so much trust in me <clears throat> and um, enabled me to to grow and and flourish and you know become my best self. And so that's exactly what I I never forget and live by today. I it starts with trust, right? So you have to spend a lot of time with your people to really realize if you can trust them. And if you can't, you need to make changes because you have to have people around that you can trust and can build a relationship with that is trustworthy. And then from there, um, it's okay to make mistakes. So it's then, then in, in that is a great sort of environment for growth. So I, we trust each other. We want to be together. Here's, here's the plan of what we want to accomplish. So now go, go try. I'll help you go try. And if something goes wrong, all right, we'll go through that. We'll learn from that and then, and then move on from it. So it's, it's really based on a lot of trust. And then the, the other component is time. Because if, if, you, if you believe in someone or um, if you think someone has a way to go in growth in their career or as a, you know, as a leader, you, you need to spend time with them. Like, I mean, you need to really um, share with them your experiences, you need to, um, you know, give them time to ask questions or have give them time to, um, you know, share with you difficulties that they have uh, with their teams, which again requires a lot of trust, right? Uh, because the, you don't the, want them to think, oh my god, if I'm going to share this, the, now, this the is vulnerability, gonna make, this is going to make me look so weak. Right. He's not going to like that. If I'm too self-disclosed, if I'm too vulnerable, right. it'll be used against me. Yeah, and it, it can it, you can it can never be used against right. uh, them at all. Um, it needs to be all on the path of growth, um, and that's why trust is uh, trust is right. so important. And, yeah, and you need to spend a lot of time. When I when I think about the two concepts of trust and time, I, I have this uh, idea in my head that the only way to know if you can really trust somebody on an interpersonal level is to go ahead and trust them. And see if they meet yeah. that. You can't. No. It's not a. It's not a theoretical exercise. Well, can I trust this person? Well, what is this? What are they? You know. I agree with you. Right. I agree with you. And you. And you know. You go wrong every once in a while, right? right. So that that happens. You need to be uh, open for that. Right. Um, I think another one is empathy, um, um, because if if of course I would prefer that everyone on my team is excellent and perfect and every they, everything they do is going to be successful and they're going to deliver more than they signed right. up for and that they came to you gonna, fully formed exactly that'd be how nice would that be huh that would be so great but you need to have uh, empathy uh, um to see put them put yourself in their shoes and see all right where where, where that you know what 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 problems may they face right now when something's not going so well and um and then not not cut that short when you're like oh i really need these results now you, i mean if you sign up to help someone grow um then you need to not forget that right. through also some difficult times sometimes right it's not it's not always going to be an easy path no I, like I've, nothing is you know? <laughs> as as we used to say, say about playing baseball hey if it was easy everybody be doing it that, that's right that's right and and so um 
um, the, the other component I think that's important is you need to like people. So you need to like to be a leader first, else right. you can't develop any leaders. And I run into so many leaders that have this thing where they go, well, I never get to do my work because I'm in meetings all the time. And, um, and then I, I go, well, so tell me more about that. I actually learned that phrase from you. This is like a typical <laughs> Teddy phrase. Like, so tell me more about that. that. <laughs> um, and, and they go, yeah, so I'm going to this meeting. Okay, so, and what, what work are you not getting to? What's the, what's the work you want to get to? And then they, you know, share something. I'm like, well, I, I think there's another issue here because the meetings and communicating in meetings to teams or individuals, if it's one-on-one -on -one meetings, th that is leadership. So, and when I sometimes get asked, what do you do all day? What, what do you do? I mean, I say, I, all I do is communicate. That's all, that's all I do. I talk all day. I talk in writing. I talk verbally. That's all I do. I communicate. I, I talk non-verbally, of course, right? Um, which people draw uh, the funniest <laughs> conclusions. Is he happy or not happy? I don't know. So you have to always watch that. So Temperature I, check. Yes. I talk all day. I communicate all day. And you all, listen. That's all I do, which is part of communication. Of you know, to me, listening is part of that. I'm not saying I'm talking, but... There's conversations happening. That is what leadership is. So you need to want to do that. You 100% need to realize that, oh, okay, so that's the job. I, I like that. If you don't like that, choose a different path. <laughs> because only if you like it and you, you like people and you like communicating with people, you can effectively sign up to help someone grow uh, into being a great leader. If you feel like that's taking you off of the job or the work you want to do, well, it's not going to be successful yeah. to start with. It, it fits into the uh, the notion of there's always nature and nurture when it comes to questioning, are leaders born or made? Right. There's a certain amount of nature that goes into it. Yeah. And, and that desire to lead, for example, that sometimes is innate for people. Sometimes people can develop that. So it kind of goes back and forth. Yeah, although I, I will say um, – some people really still think it's more something for extroverts and people that are just, you know, love this naturally and they're like that. I have so many great examples of entirely introverted people that are such great, brilliant, successful leaders. Right. Um, because it comes, it, it's actually the same for someone that's extroverted. What you will learn all through your leadership career is to shut up, <laughs> be quiet, let others shine, be in the back, like don't don't overshadow everyone because you come into a room and you're extroverted and all of a sudden everyone's already quiet because they're all looking at you. Sucking like, at all not, the oxygen in the That's room. not what you want. So, so all you do, all your career, you learn to take yourself back. You know, one thing I learned uh, um, very early on is do not have a conversation with anyone standing up. Always sit down so you can be at eye level, right? right? And you're rather um, tall, yeah. And, and 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 so, but but that's part of it, right? So you, so, so now I'm compensating. Everyone thinks, oh, it's so great to be tall, but yeah, there. But there, it also has downsides that you then need to compensate for, and it's the other way around for an introvert, right? So what they need to learn is, all right, how to stand up, how to speak up more, how to um, take a lead more actively. It's the, it's similar. It really is similar, and I I I have so many great cases of introverted individuals that are wonderful wonderful leaders yeah. you know it's harder for them to do certain things but um, it's entirely possible so i think it's really more a choice than maybe what you already have all right well i i i've seen both sides of it i see some nature i see right. the the natural sure. born folks and they're not sometimes they lack polish 
but I also see that, uh, especially in my coaching work, I've seen the most successful uh, team members who respond well to coaching are the ones who are actually internally motivated to make a change. Mm-hmm. To, they recognize that the way they behave now is either limiting or is ineffective. Mm-hmm. And they're willing, they see it enough, and they're willing to make the change. And that takes an inner motivation. Right. That's one of the things I notice. No, I, I, I 100% agree. Yeah. Um, the, 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 other, the other thing about developing leaders, I've, it's, so, it's the most rewarding thing yeah. I ever do. Yeah. To watch someone that you've been with maybe for three, four years, and you help them grow, and you, you actually maybe sometimes maybe had the vision of what they could do, and they didn't even have the vision themselves. And then you see it come to life and you see him stand in front of, I don't know, 500 people and give a great speech when they never thought they could. And it's just amazing. And you yeah. feel like, wow, I couldn't have done that. And like, this is much better. I, I want to do it like this. Right. <laughs> that is just the most rewarding moment ever. And every single hour spent and every investment right. made is just, all, yeah, all the so talk, All the talking, all the listening, all the empathy. Right. And when you talked about time, trust in time, as you were describing it, I, I got the impression that it was almost like letting, the, allowing time f- for breathing, right? right? That doesn't it doesn't yeah. have to be in a reactive mode all the mm-hmm. time. That you know, I've had so many managers tell me that, and I'm so busy, and my team comes to me with with questions, and of course, I've done their job before. It's so easy for me to say, you know, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, and I know that's not developing them. But in the short term, I often default to that. It's a difference. A leader will rarely default to that. Yes, and it's that can be tough at times. But I, I have again learned from some great mentors is that I try to make the least amount of decisions I can possibly make. I don't, I don't need to make decisions to feel like, wow, great, I'm in control, I'm doing something. I, I, I don't want to make any decisions. So my go-to question when someone asks me to do to, for input or for a decision, I say. Why do I need to make that decision? That's it's not like oh great, see I'm the boss, I get to decide this. No, I don't. I don't want to decide anything. Like you can decide this. Why? Why do you really need me? Right? It's like when I'm on vacation, uh, um, I say, of course I can be reachable. But if it's if it's under under five hundred thousand or less than twenty minute wait times, don't bother. Like you can handle it. Like it's no problem. And even above, only if you really feel like I I I can add any value and. And rarely, I think, I can. Like, a functional expertise um, on many of these things, we have the best people. You should know. You know exactly. You tell me what we should do. And, and then what, where I can add value is in all of the leadership development and the development of your team, and I can, I can help work with your team or select the people on everyone's team to help them grow and, and, and become better leaders. But, you know, decision-making, I, I, I try to not make decisions ever if i can <laughs> and, and and i would assume then you try to hire people smarter than yourself well, yeah absolutely like i again i learned uh, you know i had to learn that one day but um the, my best time as a leader was when i had a, a finance guy so i was running uh, switzerland and austria for ebay and my finance guy was 45 years old had a great um uh, um a college degree of course and an MBA from, I think, INSEAD or something, some some great school. And he just know. I mean, he was just so much better than I was on, on almost everything. Um, and that was so great because I had to not worry about anything. So you could be scared by that or you could just be excited 
by it. And I think what, what, what it also helped me is every time I had a touch base with this guy, I would prepare like crazy because I'd like, I, I need to stretch. This is good. Like he, I, there's something to learn from me in it, but I also need to bring my, my a game to it. So yeah, I, I love, I love working with people that, that, that are better, that, that can do my job. Yeah. I, I, I'm not worried about that. I want that. If I don't have that, I get anxious. It's like, who's going to, I look around my team and go, Oh my God, who's going to do my job? Who could do my job if I, <laughs> if I didn't want to do it or if, you know, if I wasn't going to be here and I don't see anyone, I get anxious. Absolutely. Because like, then oh. you're, then you're trapped. Yeah. In a way. Right. Like, and, and if they were there today, I'd be like, great, this is going to be the best three years of my life because or someone's already there that could do the job just like me. So look at all the great things we can accomplish together and the succession is planned. So, um, yeah, I, hiring better people and amazing people and not being afraid of them is important. Yeah. And vice versa, by the way, when I see young leaders, which happens all the time, uh, let's say they've been promoted to VP and then, and then I look at their team and the most senior person in their team is a senior manager. Then I look at that and I ask their boss and I say, Hey, so this just happened with Mike. I said, Mike, you know, how often did you tell that person they can't have the senior director in their team? How often has that been denied? And he goes, Not once. I'm like, Oh, so that's wow. You know, because we, we need everyone to build strong senior teams um, with better people than the leaders that we already have. Of course. And if we don't do that, then we're still a step behind of what leadership, what excellent leadership is yeah <laughs> wow well we covered a little territory here right uh so yeah we talked a lot about building teams there as well yeah so we yeah. got the global and we got we, we got the, the teams. teams yeah and also I, I loved hearing about what just brings you the greatest joy in, in developing people and, and seeing them become successful right it's you know uh, many leaders i've worked with they are uh, highly motivated by being able to promote people in their organization to uh, larger jobs, you know, as they take on greater responsibility, right. it becomes part of their legacy. Mm -hmm. And that's how they get known, right? You're right. known for developing people. Anything else you want to share with us about your experience as a leader? Challenges you've overcome, funny things that have happened? Yeah, you know, so there, as a leader, you never are in, in a vacuum, right? This would be so nice if, if, you know, if, if I could always just be with my team and that's all the influence <laughs> that's there, um, then that would be a great life. But that's not how it is, right? So there's, you have a boss, of course. So you're in, you're in that. And then there, you're in the company and there's different teams and everyone, you know, everyone's looking at everyone and what everyone's doing. And so sometimes, um, if you think, yeah, we have the time, I have, no, I'm, I'm investing, this person's going to be great, but they're working with someone and they, then there's the external um, uh, push to, well, I don't, why is this person doing this? I didn't have a good experience. And then you have to, then here comes the decision. What am I going to do now? Am I going to give up my support for that person? Because I feel like, yeah, I see that, but that's just where they're at right now. And to me, that's okay. But maybe in the grand scheme of things, for others, it's not. So now what do I do, right? I could easily say, all right, I get it. I see it too. Just bring in someone else, fix that. Everyone will go, yeah, he got it. Look, this is great. He brought check the in, box. Check the box. So easy. It's really easy. Oh, of course, not easy to tell the person, but you know, they will understand because they also know where they're at. So that, that's, that's a challenge that happens regularly. Um, and I tend to actually always stick by 
my plan, um, which can be sometimes difficult because you expose yourself there a little bit. If you have someone in a role that you feel like can is growing into it, and other people see though where the uh, um, the gaps are right now, right. Um, of course you're responsible as as their boss. So I, I still feel like if you you know if you really make your choices um, thoughtfully, then uh, um, it's good to give some continuity there. I, I think that's. Yeah, um, that's I, very important. I would imagine also. That's a challenge. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge, and also it's very culture dependent. Mm-hmm. How forgiving is the culture? Is the culture one? Of, is it a punitive culture? Is it a compliant culture, or is it a, yeah. a more of a uh, open minded culture, mm-hmm. exploratory culture? So right. all those things come to play when you're at a level where where you play as a chief operating officer. You have a chance to influence that culture at the very top of the organization. So that I'm sure that's also a very uh, wonderful opportunity. It's a wonderful opportunity, but it's also a challenge, right? Because you, um, um, you know, the, the more responsibility you have, your impact you can have, the more, and that's a big, that's a big burden as well, yeah. right? So, uh, and particularly if you have strong views about it, um, and you're never alone. Uh, there's always more people, and they they may have similar, they may they may may have strong views as well that are not similar to yours. So um, that's where the fun comes in. That's where the, that's where the fun <laughs> comes in. But it's it, it you know that can be that can be yeah. rather rather difficult. Yeah, I, my uh, my sense of it is, and having you know played in in those arenas, is that that's the real work because that sets the tone for the entire organization. Mm-hmm. Everybody who works in the company can see and hear and get a sense of where is leadership coming from? What are they trying to accomplish? Are we clear about it? Right. Are they clear about it? Are yeah. we clear about it? And and then we can be aligned. Once we're clear on that alignment, yeah, let's do some great things together. Yeah, what comes into what what comes in between making that those great decisions um, is that we have a business to run, right? And then sometimes we fall short spending time on all of this, which to me that's the key one key challenge that I, I think is worth mentioning as well that all I'm talking about is I, is not one KPI, not one number, is not one dollar spent in a budget or adhered to a budget, etc. And I strongly believe that uh, the more senior you are as a leader in an organization, you should really focus on people. That's that's basically all you do, um, and they should have those KPIs and everything under control. I mean, you you want to know what's going on always. Yeah, you set the strategic direction. Yeah, and you want to you want to you know you you want them to you want everyone to know that you know what's going on and you understand it. Of course, fine. But like the time that should be spent is on leadership. I feel I see many senior leaders, and I have over over, over all the years in all different companies, just make that the second priority. Um, because there are so many numbers and so many little tactical things and so many projects to to focus on that seem more compelling than investing in your people. And I think that's always short-sighted. So to me, um, it's a number one priority always. And I love doing it. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I I have the best job, you know. <laughs> I, I, there's one other topic maybe that, that's interesting that, that, that can be a challenge is consistency. Um, w- one thing I've learned is that as a leader, any leader in any um, um, team, doesn't even matter how senior you are. You can be as quirky or as strange or you can have different ways of wanting to do things, as many as you want, as long as they're predictable. 
you need to be predictable for your people so that they know if I don't put the cursor in A1 in an Excel sheet to, to just give one very quirky <laughs> one, it's going to be pointed out every single time, all right? So it can't be that one day you want it in A1, next day you want it in yellow, and the next other day you want it in a different file name. It needs to be very, those quirks or whatever you feel is most important need to be very, very predictable all across everything. You know, are we starting meetings on time or are we always five minutes late? So it's okay, like just make it consistent so people can adjust to it. And people are so adjust, it's amazing what people can adjust to. But keeping that consistent, like that's a big, that can be a challenge because you, uh, you know, there we all have our different ways of doing things. Um, staying the course and remaining predictable is so so important. Yeah, it gives great comfort to the team. It does when there's and it's not predictable in a stayed way, but it's predictable in a in a consistent, effective way. Right. Uh, you know, because I'm a baseball guy, I can't help with a baseball analogy here. Uh, managers, even opposing managers, will all they want from the home plate umpire is a consistent strike zone. Don't give one strike zone to one team or one strike zone to another team or one strike zone to a certain kind of pitcher, another right. kind of pitcher. As long as the umpire is consistent, even if they don't agree with his zone that night, we appreciate the consistency because then we have to adjust. That's right. I, that's exactly that's a, that's a perfect analogy. Even I got it, um, and, and, and exactly. So it doesn't. And, and so for many leaders, they feel like no, I need to, I need to be like very streamlined and everything. Like no, everything needs to be so understandable. I can't really be myself. I'm, I have to be this great manager that has all these rules that are so clear. No, not so important. Like you can totally be yourself. You just have to be consistent so that you can be predictable uh, for your teams. Then everyone can deal with anything. It doesn't matter. It's the strangest quirks are fine. You can talk about it. So this is how I want it. I've, I've always been like this, guys. I'm <laughs> not going to change, but you can rely on you it. You can count on it. You can count on it. I love so, it. And then everyone counts on it and it's fine. And they may laugh about it or smile about it and make funs about it and make jokes about it. It's okay. No problem. Um, it is how it is. And then here's how here's how we do it. And the cursor in A1 on Excel, um, I picked that up sometime and and I know my finance, uh, senior finance director, <laughs> I, I, told, I, I told her once she laughs about it every time, but I love it. It's like it gives me comfort when I open an Excel sheet and the cursor is in A1. Ah, so. uh, simple play. <laughs> Pleasure. Yes, you know, exactly. I have to tell uh, you know to the audience sitting here with Anton. We've known each other for four years. We've worked closely for four years. We're working closely to this day, and it's just a real joy to hang out with you and actually do this. Considering <laughs> all the time we spend on talking about leadership and and role playing about it and understanding it yeah. strategically and how do we get the best teams and like that. Right. And then we get a chance to talk. And some people are actually going to listen to this. Amazing, really. <laughs> Some people may even like it. Yeah, you know, I hear you know. I hear everyone's raving about TED Talks. So, yeah, cool. I mean, Teddy Talks. Teddy Talk. TED yeah. Talk was already. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was already it was, taken. Was already taken. Yeah. All right, Anton. Thank you so much. Big hug. Namaste. Yeah. Thank you, Teddy. Cheers.